Hi, and welcome to The Cloud Show. My name's Jez Back, and with me is my trusted co-host, David Organ. Hello. So, here we are once again. We're going to be taking the lid off the world of cloud, and this time we're going to dive deep down into the world of ecosystems. Now, what we're going to do is to have a look, quick look at the news, mm -hmm. and then we're going to have a go at, into ecosystems themselves. First of all, though, I, I would like to invite you to get involved in the conversation. So do get in touch with us using uh, the hashtag TheCloudShow, and also at CompareTheCloud. So let's also introduce some of our guests. First of all, we have Carolyn. Carolyn Mummy, you're from LNX. Sierra, can you tell us a little bit about LNX? Yes, we are a SaaS platform for businesses that are looking for compliance management, and it just makes it simple. So you can hop on and hop off as you like. The idea is that it's driven by customers, not technical uh, directors. So that's where we focused it, and we've put lots of partners together to make sure that they can all service those needs for those uh, businesses looking for compliance solutions. Brilliant, thank you. Yeah. We also have Nathan Lewis from Datadog. Welcome. Nice Go on, so, so give us a nice little rundown on what Datadog is for those viewers who are not familiar with what they do. Datadog is a, an observability platform, giving customers a single view across all their IT ecosphere, be it cloud, polycloud, on-premise. So you can make, make decisions based on what's happening in your complete ecosphere rather than just, say, a single channel. So what's a polycloud before we go there? Because I know some people <laughs> won't know what one of those is. Right now, uh, the Cloud Wars, and, and you, you mentioned a few providers in a show last week, um, you've got your big players, your AWSs, your Googles, your um, Azures, other players coming on, on as well. Um, customers don't typically go for one. Some are all investing, but due to financial regulations or just not wanting to get a sense of being locked in, customers will go for a multi-cloud or a polycloud. So it's different. So what? So let's get to it. What's the difference between a polycloud and a multi-cloud? Because I know someone will go, what's the difference? It's the same thing. Terminology. There's no, there's no, difference. <laughs> no difference. Depending on whether you're talking to an American, an English, or... <laughs> Okay, brilliant. <laughs> or, or me. And I'll just mix it up. We clear that up. Excellent. So I'll tell you what, let's talk a bit of news. David, what have you got for us this week? Yes, well, topping off the news this week is Google has announced uh, it will allow companies to purchase its AI chips through its cloud computing service. So the tech giant designed and developed its AI chips last year and is now offering the chips to others in public beta for anyone to try out. Google hopes the move will help build a new tenor processing unit or TPU business around the chips. So they're releasing the chips mm -hmm. so that they can get a data set. So they can look at how people are using these chips and ultimately start to build um, models that they can use around this. Sounds pretty freemium to me. It is a bit freemium, but then that's Google. Yeah, that's Google. What do you think, Nathan? What's your view? I think it's a smart way to get some thought leadership. Um, when Amazon, sorry, when IBM brought out Watson, they got that market share in you know, I, I, IBM or Watson will do X, Y, Z, and that pulled through a lot of the other products so and services. Jeopardy, then. <laughs> <laughs> Great chess player as well. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. Um, Google are really wanting to push into this intelligence mm -hmm. world. Um, this is a very good way for them to get that thought leadership, get and establish a control, and start to bring in those enterprises who are looking into that world. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good sort of kickstarter to get into what is a yeah. pretty specialized world, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had the conversation a couple of episodes ago about how AI is you know, a, a big play for Alphabet, 
you know, there's Google and IBM yep. and yeah, amongst a, a plethora of other people. So pretty smart move to actually get get usage out there. And I think you're right. It's, it's a bit of a land grab at this stage. I mean, yeah, so absolutely. many of the hyperscale cloud providers are now going into AI services, whether it's AWS, whether it's IBM and Google, even Microsoft. You mentioned the race to the bottom previously. This is maintaining the, the, the race position. position. Yeah, so so they're, they're actually releasing this as part of a, a trial and testing for the AI chips to allow new customers to see the possibilities of advanced AI. So it's kind of getting it out there to see what people mm. will actually use it use for, it what the applications are. So, do you have a take on that? Yeah, I do, because we're very interested in predictive analytics for our own users, because it's, um, you know, if we can develop our expert systems along the lines of um, suggesting outcomes to, to our users to help guide them just in a practical sense so that you can devolve that throughout the organization to help reduce compliance risk then that's going to be a great thing. So of course, when I saw this, uh, a few weeks ago, I got really excited about it, oh, fantastic. Anyway, I'm reliably informed that we probably won't get our hands on that for a couple of years, uh, because uh, you know, we're just not in that league. But obviously, it's a great weapon for them to start you know, race, racing in that market and starting to get, get some uh, land grab. Yeah, I think uh, government's going to use it for, for evil. No, not really, but there you go. Well, but this, this is the perpetual debate that we often have on this show and other shows. Yes, it is, uh, you're right. Is, yeah. is around the, uh, the good, bad and ugly of artificial intelligence and its applications. But uh, I hope it's a debate that will rage on. Yeah, well, so speaking of governments, what else have we got? Yes, moving straight on to the next item, which is the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is stepping up its advances towards becoming a technology hub for the region in competition with the UAE and Bahrain. So the Saudi uh, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia foresees cloud computing to grow by 20% by 2022. Uh, Microsoft also predicted Saudi Arabia's IT spend in 2018 to reach a value of 40 billion as the government increases its focus on innovation and cloud technology. Bit of loose change then? Just, well, for that country, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably is a bit of loose change. Although, if you want a bigger number, According to the World Economic Forum, the digital economy as a whole will be worth over 100 trillion globally by 2025. Yeah, well, I think it's a pretty smart move, right, <coughs> by not just the King of Saudi Arabia, but also you've got Bahrain, you've got Dubai, you've got all these people who are going, we've got a natural resource which is finite, and yeah. we've got to do something different. Well, they're all starting to, to look at that horizon now yeah. uh, and shift their economy, or at least plan to shift their economy. Uh, and unlike many countries, they do have some deep pockets to allow them to pivot. This is true. So, Carol, you got a view on this one? Well, yeah, I was reading a CNN report on this, and it said that they haven't actually invested a cent in, in their own country, which is because they're looking for scalable, long-term investments overseas. So, obviously, you're not going to create those ecosystems, uh, the tech hubs in your own country. And really, they, I think there's a possibility that obviously they make a lot of money because you can't help but make a lot of money when you've got uh, that kind of investment. But really, they could make other countries very rich. Mm. Nathan? Smart move. The, the, the race in that region, that looking for the alphabets and Microsofts, et cetera, to establish a big base. It's almost like uh, Wayne's World. Build it and they will come. When Dublin made the decision 15 years ago to say we are a tech hub and USAPs, Microsofts, everybody built there. And now if you look at a tech map of Dublin, it has all the startups. Mm -hmm. So once they establish it, will then other 
will that help kickstart innovation and startups and will people come to that? Um, I think it's, it, again, it's a smart move for the reasons we we're talking about. Culturally and creating an environment for people to go and work there. The reason why Dublin works so well is it's a very um, diverse and rich society and people from the world want to go and work there. So Saudi would have to really make people want to go and work there. But they are uh, a very well-led country and they can kind of dictate what they want to happen. Well, this is, this is just the latest item in a succession of news reports coming out of Saudi yeah. Arabia. Because of the change in leadership, it, it does seem to be uh, going more moderate yeah. uh, in its approach in a number of areas. So it's interesting to see this. It's that idea of gravity, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So if you get a few <coughs> of the big players, it will draw in more and more and more. Um, but yeah, it remains to be seen. I don't know how big the Middle Eastern market in its own right will be or whether they're going to go for a slice of that world uh, market from there. Yeah, I think Carolyn's point is, is very well made that investing in a global view of technology, mm. I think that I think that's the really mm. smart bit of the move. And if they can bring any of those parts back in, then that, that's just, that's almost the cream. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I see it. I think they're doing a very clever thing about, by having a slice of the pie of all the key areas, doesn't matter where it sits, actually, as long as they have a level of control, per se, in terms of their investment, or people on the boards of these organisations, yeah. then... You or, know, or even the money behind it. Well, and, mean, yeah, that, but that, that always seems that, to That's what buys them onto the board, yes. right? So, that, absolutely. Okay, so I, I'm going to stop geopolitics, otherwise we'll You get, just want to get on to the next item, I, don't Do you, you know what? You I really I've do. I've been dying you to really do. Go on really then, do. Let's, let's do this. Okay, and well, something literally completely different. Uh, authorities in New South Wales, Australia have deactivated a transit pass. That's not too surprising. Pretty boring. Except where this transit pass is. It's implanted into a biohacker's hand and he's now pretty upset so he's suing his local government. This is a chap who goes by Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. Can you just say it again for me? Meow Ludo Disco Gamma Meow Meow. Oh, I didn't catch you. Oh, that's good. Well, meow no. Meow for sure. Meow Meow, okay. We'll yes, meow, meow. He, he, that is his real name. Couldn't just toss away his New South Wales transit pass even after he found out it got deactivated while he was on a trip to the US. So he's actually cut the chip out of the card. He's encapsulated it in a biocompatible plastic and had it implanted under the skin in his left hand. So the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing? Apparently, the left hand can go for train rides, but the right hand can't. Oh, okay, or rather, it can't now, aren't we? <laughs> Neither can. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it, it, it even gets funnier. So the biohacker uh, wants to file a lawsuit, transit authorities, not just to fight the decision uh, for it to be suspended or deactivated, but also to help create the laws around body hacking technology. So he's trying to break ground with this and he's using it a bit as a, a soapbox I would say. Okay uh, so come on then Nathan l l I'll, I'll, I'd love to get your opinion on this one. So my, my first view is fair play to New South Wales for somebody being able to read um, the, a chip inside somebody's hand while it's encapsulated in a bio-readable yeah. piece of plastic. I can't even get my Oyster card to work on time. <laughs> so forget forget card clash. It's now hand clash. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so that worked. Now, then I think, well, why not? You know, does it really matter? Um, 
But is this the future and how we're going to go? If somebody chooses to bank that way, because he also stored his personal health details as well. That's right. It's not the only implant he's got. He's got two others. So be, if something happened to him and he got taken to hospital, being able to quickly read his medical reports, we all know about the, the NHS project and how that's taken quite a while to be realised. Um, is he actually leading the way and will ultimately be following him in 5, 10, 15 years' time after he's changed the law, of course. Um, ultimately, yeah. fair enough, if he wants to, I'm <laughs> not going to stop him. Uh, it does remind me of the episode of Black Mirror where everybody starts to get logged and tracked according to how to they report. Going back to the government thing, could this be used against him in the future? I don't know, the, the legal implications that he's probably going to open up are going to keep some QCs in in, in yeah. wine for some time. What was that episode? Nosedive. Nosedive, yes. Yeah. So. I knew I couldn't remember. There we go. <coughs> Carol, there must be a whole compliance conversation <laughs> that goes around this. Well, I'm looking forward to the day when actually we do have that connection between our platform on Elidex in a compliance in, um, environment in the cloud and the offline environment as well. And this is kind of stepping into that because you know, if you're thinking about clocking in, for example, I mean, we deal with a lot of HR administration for our uh, users. So, uh, obviously, one of the one of the things they often want to send information about is attendance to the platform. And if they were able to do that with some kind of like bio device, that would be absolutely brilliant. But at the moment, I don't think it's uh, well. It's certainly not in our dev pipeline. It's not in our roadmap this year. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, th I think there are a few human rights laws and things like that <laughs> that have to be worked through. Aren't I there? think so. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. So I think that's it for the news. Uh, uh, meow meow is going to have to be put to bed. Put to bed well. for now, which I'm almost a bit gutted about. But there we go. So let's go and move on to today's topic, and that is about our ecosystems, the new normal for digital transformations and IT organisations that use cloud. Now, I have a bit of a view on this that actually when we talk about ecosystems, we tend to use the ecological uh, analogy a little bit too much and that can kind of dilute the message. Ultimately, business ecosystems, in my view, are about value creation. And so what we've got here is a nice, interesting conversation where you have a definition of ecosystems, be it around a technical point of view, but also on a cultural point of view as well. So those are the areas I'm kind of keen to look at. Uh, and I would also say that you, you, it's worth having a, a kind of dive into saying, here's a moment that says, we've got a cultural thing, we've got a technical thing, and we've got a business thing. And I think those are the three layers that, mm. that in my mind, really formed the conversation around ecosystems. So you know, first of all, how would you define ecosystems? How would you use them within Datadog? You know, what, what's, your, what's your take on this, Nathan? So I think the ecosystem really relates to what the business outcomes are. Yeah. Now, as um, businesses have, have to get more agile to deliver back to the customers quickly, um, people are choosing to work in new ways, more, more agile ways away from the waterfall and, and so on, but also use the tools that they want to when they want to. And to deliver a project, you are having to engage a lot more partners. The, the days from being able to outsource it to uh, one of the bigger software companies implemented by one of the bigger SIs um, and allowing them to just deliver your project on a set technology, that those days have gone. People want the flexibility to move from 
x to y to z. Um, that comes with quite a few different things. It's who leads the project. I think there are, th there, there are probably three things. It's that you need uh, an ecosphere, a group of companies who are going to work together to help you achieve your goals as a customer. That involves a lot of trust, involves a lot of governance, and um, people understanding and recognizing their roles and delivering on it. Um, the way we work at Datadog is we give this single platform view. So depending on what you have chosen to work on, what tools you've chosen to develop on, um, you would still be able to observe what's happening in your uh, IT systems and trace it back to the problem. But as a bigger piece of delivering the business value, the customer or a lead project manager from a business or a consultancy needs to take control of what the deliverables are. Mm -hmm. Everyone recognize their role and ensure that you are delivering back. In, in the cloud world, the good thing is if you aren't delivering value, customers can use somebody else. Yeah, I think you've got a really interesting you know, word out there, and that's the word trust. And I know, Carolyn, you've, you've got a, a view on this similar to mine that fundamentally e business ecosystems are founded on trust. Yes, and they are. Yes, they are, aren't they? Because um, we talked about, <laughs> you know, I've got six precious sort of um, item areas I could put important elements of components. What are, what's the ecosystem about? What's the process that actually goes on, uh, if you like, from a, a, an adoption point of view? It's all right having the best system in the world, but if, you know, people aren't able to use it easily, yep. then obviously it's dead. So, you know, if we, if we were looking at that cycle, you, you've got six opportunities to, to, you know, what six words are you going to use? And I, and I put trust, engendering trust down. That was really important. And I thought, is everyone else going to get that? Or are they going to look at it and sort of think, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, that's interesting enough, engendering trust. And anyway, it's a bit waffy. How do we do it? It's very vague. But actually, it's, it's so fundamental to us all using uh, anything. I mean, you, you get in a, 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 a motor car, you get in a car and you drive it. You know, you need to have a certain level of faith uh, that you're going to be safe. And mm. that's how we operate in our society all the time, isn't it, I guess? And so the cloud is no different, and the yeah. ecosystem is definitely no different because you can't touch it. Yeah. You can't mm. really see it. Well, I agree. I mean, so so the, the concept of ecosystems is not even new. I mean, if you just look back in history, just on a purely technology story basis, there was two boats called Dave and Bill. One surname was Hewlett, the other was Packard, and they made radio oscillators. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, within their lifetimes, they built up one of the largest PC businesses globally, and even their legacy afterwards. They, they built an entire ecosystem from the smallest of spark. And I think when we talk about trust, you talk about those people. I think there's a, there's a thing in society now that accepts the value of micro changes that can create spark, which can create momentum to big yeah. things, or just the fact that it's a single event in themselves. Mm. But the concept of, of an ecosystem is not new. I really like this idea of trust because you can look at it from several different ways. Your car analogy is great. Uh, you expect a manufacturer to build a product that's safe. Mm -hmm. But then you've also got laws and regulations that instantiate that yeah. and protect you further. They essentially guarantee the trust. Now, with technology, it's quite similar. You get standards, you get ways, programming languages, you've got the development of cloud computing now, yep. so standardizing the platforms on which these systems sit. But then you've also got frameworks. You've got these ways in which you can develop software that you know will work with other software. Yep. So that interoperability, that uh, lack of lock-in, 
And is that not the way an ecosystem kind of builds that yes. there is codependency? It's kind of beyond trust. It's everybody sort of guaranteeing the trust of the other. So you don't That's want the bit. That's so you the don't bit. want a supplier to suddenly triple the price that they charge because all of a sudden the business models for the sure. supply yeah. chain and other people mm. falls but down. But so there's also trust about tr there. trusting in that people are actually trying to do the right thing. Because thing, things will go wrong, and I think that, that within ecosystems where you get people coming together and people using technology together uh, and forming business outcomes or trying to form a business outcome, things are going to go wrong. P people are going to fail, their people are going to make mistakes, there's going to be a certain amount of experimentation that goes on. I think that that's the, the, the point on trust I think is the, one of the foundational building blocks mm -hmm. of creating a successful ecosystem. But that trust then gets evolved into a, a collaborative view. And people are actually kind of saying, no, they're not out to get me just because they're from, they might be paid by a different organization. Or they might just be from a different silo in the business. It might be from business, a different business unit inside the same organization. Culturally, there's still that, that, that mistrust that happens. And breaking down that barrier, I think, is a really, really important thing. Yeah, it is. And so often, the idea of trust is left to the marketing department, isn't it? Oh, it's really nothing to do with anybody else. You know, I'm sure you'll deal with it in the communication. But it, it has to come from the top, and you have to all work together in a way that's collaborative and have the same vision. And it, you, know, you, you sense that when you're working with new partners, and you, you sense whether or not you're sharing the vision and whether or not you can trust each other to, to do what they say they're going to do. I mean, if you've got a really big channel partner, as you know, we would have a big channel partner, for example, you know, that could be devastating to us if they took... Um, a view on something which affected our users, mm -hmm. which was against our own um, vision for the uh, for the ecosystem, and so you do have to do a lot of due diligence when you're inviting people in. So, so we talked about trust as being one of the the key foundations. What I mean, are there any other key barriers that are out there that, that are a challenge to forming effective ecosystems? It is the, uh, for, for me. It's the then the governance. It's and, and it builds back into trust, I suppose. It's managing the project. Yeah. In in the modern world, where if we're, we're saying we are moving away from the the old bigger providers handling the complete aspect, does the client then take control back for the project? So they're employing the program manager, directors, etc., to see this through. Do they then still outsource that to an SI to manage their ecosystem, trusting? that they will do so on the client's best behalf, achieving the business values and the time required. Um, it's, so it's that extra level. You mentioned regulations and everything, SLAs, who then, who's in charge of keeping everybody on track yeah. and trustworthy and making sure that we're still delivering back to the business. Well, we've seen a rise in open standards and frameworks. So these bodies do tend to pop up, albeit yeah. after mm. The fact, quite usually. Yeah, and, uh. and sorry, Dave, uh, and because things change so quick now, and the new program language will come out, and that may not have been part of the original plan, but you need to be able to adjust and adapt. Um, a, a new cloud provider may come out that is better suited to deliver that business value. So it's, it's governance with a bit of flexibility. And I think there's there's going to be a whole raft of new things coming out because you mentioned Hewlett Packard as a, an example. So standardization around uh, electronics, even how a computer is built. We've got open standards coming in for IoT. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's 
wild west for blockchain right now. But again, there are still some founding well, principles. But it's wild west on a number of things. I mean, look, these just get look, look, built look at, on. Yeah, you know, Elon Musk, he actually has a silent business model that no one ever talks about. Does anyone know his name? No. No one can remember it. No, it's not Meow Meow. <laughs> no, it's not Meow Meow. No, um, it's, uh, I think it's Dior Chris or something like that. Um, uh, the name is that dish, you just emptied out of my head as we were talking about it. But the point is, he founded Xcom, X.com, mm. which formed PayPal. And those guys are still continuing yeah. to work together on Tesla, on SpaceX, on yeah. Boring, and the rest of it. Now, they've, those guys have created an ecosystem about putting a million people on Mars. That is a yeah. singular purpose. Yeah. Mm. About, and that's thousands of people who, and it's almost cult-like in, in the, the, the vision that people have got. So you want to talk about creating ecosystems, that, that's about... And you want to talk about trust. Well, yeah, really, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what's, what's your view? Where, where are the key barriers? Well, you've got to create value for all your stakeholders. I mean, obviously, we, we, I completely agree with you, Nathan, that it's all about customers. You, you know, you, your customer drives uh, the, you know, the vision, really, and you, you keep delivering on that, mm. so you have to. So uh, that's great, but the other stakeholders will only come and participate in that ecosystem if there's something in it for them. So what's in it for me is always the question, really. And that isn't just about reward, like shared revenues, things like that. It can, yeah, they look at time, uh, an investment of time and resources, and then they look at what their revenues are mm. from that. And sometimes you're asking them to take great leaps of faith as well. And that, you know, because they've never seen anything like this before either, because it is a disrupt, Alidex is disruptive in the sense that we're delivering professional services by subscription online. I mean, frankly, that's very new. Yeah. And, you know, for compliance, I should say, for compliance areas, uh, legal and HR and health and safety, those sort of things, it's very new. So, um, you know, asking people who have done things a particular way for a very, very long time to say, please follow me. Yeah. Is, is can be a barrier but of course you do get those people who are visionaries and they'll come with you and they see a, a, you know how it's going to change and disrupt the market now they can grab some some uh, kudos because obviously there's thought leadership there as well as some um, you know as well as grabbing market share yeah, I, mean, I, I love the idea about the, bringing the best of breed of things together so you know I, I did a, a piece of work a number of years ago where we actually worked out how to put an electronic patient record software solution with a cloud infrastructure provider with a data storage provider all wrapped up with a security solution mm. delivered by a professional services organization it was all worked out and we actually managed to get all of those organizations in together willing to have that conversation the the enormous power of those types of solutions mm. is, you know, there is that is value creation you know for me i mean i mean this is something you see every day in data log right so i Every organisation in that ecosphere is going to have a role to play and understands their role and how it relates to that business vision. I keep, as, as you've been talking, I've got the, is it Kennedy when he toured the space centre? Asked the cleaner, what do you do? The cleaner said, I put people on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, as long as everybody in that organisation is aligned to what the business, the customer, whoever it is you are trying to achieve, we have a part to deliver in that. Um, yes, at Datadog, we are part of um, enabling a business vision by keeping systems running. Yeah, there we go. Um, but every stakeholder, every person within that ecosphere, the customer side, should all be aligned in the right direction. Once they are, that's when things happen. And that needs leadership, right? Yeah. So we've got our <coughs> second word now. We've got trust. Now we have vision. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what else is really required to make a successful ecosystem? Or perhaps turn it on its head. What ecosystems have failed because of one reason or another? I was going to say communication. And it's how you manage that process. Um, we work and talk with a lot of other mm. uh, software providers. And obviously not breaking NDAs or anything like that. But I, I, thi I think that you have to have that communication with those stakeholders. That shared roadmap. So it's you know what everybody's doing. There are no um, surprises um, or breakdowns along the way. And how you can help um, complement mm. somebody else's solution, um, enable it, or just help them deliver back as well. So the communication amongst the team as well as with the customer, mm -hmm. um, so the team, the ecosphere, um, about what we are trying to do, what our role is. So keeping those open channels uh, the days of not doing shows like this, where it was very much this is our focus and we we, we don't want to give everybody our uh, skills, USP or wherever it could be away, to be in a very open collaborative, this is how we work, this is how we can bring in professional services um, solutions to complement XYZ. Um, that this is a new way of working together. I think that it's also very important that the stakeholders are willing to share because that's how you get to market because if they're willing to share their customers with other stakeholders in the ecosystem mm -hmm. then everybody benefits yeah because you can't be all things to all customers it's just not possible and customers like choice so if you're brave enough to say well actually i think that what we do we do it really really well and we think that we will be uh, the provider of choice and we're willing to let other partners in I mean it might be for example in our world that might be a, a, a law firm and an accountancy mm -hmm. firm they don't look like immediate competitors but you'd be surprised when they get together they wonder about the other affiliations that the, the partners got you know yep. who else what other law firms are they friendly with and so on and so forth so you have to have that courage and then you can get to so it's courage really I think and to share because you can get the channel to market otherwise you're just the best kept secret yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, so what's your last word to wrap this up? Nathan, what's your last word on ecosystems? It, it's trust. It's just, it is trust amongst everybody across your partners. For, for me, that's the key. I just think it makes the customer king, really makes them king. It's not just words. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. So, that kind of wraps up. I think we can all agree that, now, that within business ecosystems, the foundational building blocks of trust and of unity, communication, leadership, are key areas but also about bringing that singular vision and making the customer truly empowered by getting the outcomes thereafter i think those, that's been a really good show thank you very much for your time thank you. so uh, being really good and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time and thanks very much for watching if indeed you still are